0: Say yes, so we say yes, so we say yes, so we say yes. Is anybody out there saying yes today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, God, as we embark on this study, God. We love you, Jesus. It's why we're here. God, because we love you and we appreciate all that you're doing, and we want to be as equipped as uh as uh, superhumanly possible God to uh, us humanly possible and you by your presence in our lives so we thank you for the work you're doing on earth that is uncomfortable but uh spoken of actually clearly in many places and we want to be uh we want to be ready for you and available to you and understanding as much as we can what you are doing in these days <clears throat> so could we, we can could live victoriously that we can glorify you in these critical days Lord So we ask you again to open your word and uh, do what you want to do in us, God. Do what you want to do in us, Lord, so that you would be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So here we are. We're beginning what's going to be a lengthy study. It's like all the other studies that we do and have been walking through, and they sort of take on a shape and form of their own. And I do want to confirm I know there's probably going to be a bunch of people coming on board this study, even now, um, and via podcasts who have not been involved in other studies that we're in. So I'm going to be repeating certain things that you guys know, but that's okay, because it's good. It's healthy for us to hear them again. It's healthy for us to be reminded of them, and I, I don't want someone to feel like, you know, that I just got on board, and therefore um, I, I don't know what an HHY is, you know, things like that. So I'm going to be addressing those. So, um, you know, each session is going to stand on its own, as which they do, because God's faithful to that. So it's not like if you miss one or two or six, um, you're out until we switch to another study. In reality, almost all the studies go back to the same thing. Jesus is amazing. He's supernatural. He's the only success story, really, that we chase after, and and he's coming back, and there's a time frame involved in that, and it's a pretty loud and evident and uh, in many ways violent but glorious return and there's a massive party at the end of that. I mean that is the storyline of God. So no matter what we're teaching we're going to be running into those, those themes. So they will stand alone and also if you miss any sessions um rest assured that you could you know you have my notes if you're on the mailing list if not reach out and I'll put you on the mailing list but you have my notes which are pretty thorough there's a lot of typos cuz I finish them up sometimes even only write them the morning of so it's like a 3 hour writing with notes written little pieces to myself during the week or weeks prior but um but you could have the notes and also the podcast is available on uh, Podbean, which is a free app, and Spotify, and Apple, uh, you know, iTunes, podcasts, and right now we're coming into 11,000 downloads, <clears throat> I know, so, wow. unbelievable, really, thank oh, you, I know, crazy, really, I don't know that I could listen to that, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so anyway, so my notes and podcasts are available, and if you miss things, just keep coming on back, and we're going to be all over both books of the Bible, obviously, both both. Old and New Testaments. So um, I, want you, I want you to know that the word magi or magical is and magic, they come from the word the root is magi. It's like the wise man. It was a supernatural wise man who followed the star to find this, the baby savior when he was born. And this is the magical mystery to it. This is it. There's nothing more exciting than having the presence of God breathing on his word as we read it in humility and 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 understand that God's doing a work not just in our heads. It's way way more than informational. It's transformational. So we're going to look into that this morning. And the other thing that's cool, and this is, I, I don't know whether, I might even have had this. I don't. I might even have the same verse, these same scriptures, at the end of this study this morning but they're amazing this is psalm 72 and again proof that we're going to be all over the place but please if you're new know that we will i am committed to studying line by line what that does is it challenges a teacher and it challenges a reader to press into the things that are less than obvious or purposely cloaked or sometimes considered controversial there i believe that god is literally breathed upon where verses are in scripture I absolutely believe it. You know that word that Dan Bruce often uses, but other people too, chronospecific, that God is numerically specific in his prophecies, in how things are laid out. And and I, I always kid around, and I call it Ouija Bible, which I don't want to make it sound like I'm into some spooky thing, but sometimes you look at your Bible and the the number of the verse or the I, they just coordinate with other things in your life. You want to be sensitized to what God is doing. And the more sensitized we are to those things without making them up or exaggerating them, the more magical God is and the more we end up being pointers to people on earth saying, look what God's doing, look at the date! look at the several temples of Israel being destroyed the same day of the year. Isn't that a coincidence? God does things to get man's att- the weather right now, to get man's attention. California bracing themselves for the first tropical storm in history. The, the, what happened in Hawaii just now, man's paradise. The California fires and paradise was burnt down. The town of Paradise was burnt out. I mean what God is doing read Amos three and four to see how does God deal with an unruly covenant breaking people and meanwhile, everybody wants to say oh it's you know it's climate change it's weather it's this it's that guy it's that and and God uses everything he uses he uses the natural and the supernatural to get the attention of a world and the saints we're called here to be a mouthpiece to be again not exaggerating these things but we're we're called to be Pointing them out to people, saying, "Don't you see?" And it sort of starts piquing people's spiritual curiosity when they understand. And also, and I don't want to say that you need a validation, but it validates us, because a lot of people are just sure we're weird. <laughs> you know, yeah, a guy got crucified two thousand years ago, and now you're religious. <laughs> you know, and that's no, that's not the storyline. Now I'm saved. <laughs> Now I got redeemed. Now I have a new life. Now the old man's dead, and I try work hard to keep him dead. Our pastor used to say that the only person he ever resurrected from the dead was his old man. <laughs> we don't want that old guy back, okay? So this is Psalm 72, verse 7. This is so wonderful, and I'll show you the punchline here, if you will, but we'll go back and read these verses. Look at verse 18. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things that's spectacular so when they you know when it looks like the mundane or line upon line line upon line and precept upon precept in the book of isaiah it sounds sort of boring it's like first you you know first you need the dough then you throw it up in the air and you make it a circle and you know a couple of steps later you have a pizza and it's like that's a nice process but it's process so there's process but everything god does is wondrous So he has process, but he has wonder as well. So listen to what this says about, this is like the happy ending, all in a nutshell here in Psalm 72. In his days, in the days of the Savior, the righteous shall flourish. Right now the righteous are being oppressed, Mm -hmm. accused, disenfranchised, canceled, and worse, shot at, hung, martyred, In his days the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. When eternity starts, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth, meaning the entire region of the world, the entire globe. Those who dwell in the wilderness, meaning ones who are way, way, way out there, will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. There will still be enemies, there will still be survivors, everybody doesn't get destroyed when he returns. But they're basically going to be groveling. This is a sign of a groveling of complete surrender to the warrior king who returns. The kings of Tarshish and of the Isles—that is Mediterranean and and um, and way beyond. Yeah, and it's uh, why I said way beyond phraseology. Oh, and oh, it's oh, I get it. It's the Mediterranean and way beyond—that's the phraseology here. So it's. Tarshish is Spain. Remember, that's where Jonah fled, to Tarshish. And Paul was from Tarshish, right? They call it Tarsus also. And also way beyond. It's a phraseology that's saying the whole world, the kings of Tarshish and the Isles. Oftentimes in scripture, what they refer to as the Isles was they knew there were places out there. They didn't know what they were called. We'll bring presents to kings of Sheba and Seba, Arabia and Africa. We'll offer gifts, yes. All kings shall fall down before him, hence the name King of Kings. The kings are going to be subjugated to the king. Yes, all kings shall fall before him, meaning, meaning. the, the psalmist is saying yes, this prophetic word is I'm meaning to say all the kings shall fall, all nations shall serve him. There will be nations still. There will still be cultures. Why? For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy, and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence. There's going to be a lot of violence. There's a lot of violence now. There's always been a lot of violence. We know from Scripture there will be more violence. It will increase in intensity and frequency at, at the conclusion of the age. And precious shall be their blood in the sight, meaning a lot of people are going to lose their lives in those days. A lot of them are going to come to their Savior. their thief on the cross, his way of salvation was crucifixion. Would he have gotten saved had he not been on the cross to die that day? And he shall live, and the gold of Sheba shall, will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually because he's going to be on earth in the temple. We know that. We've studied. We had a millennium study. You could look in the... If, well, I can send you notes if you don't have them, but in a two-week millennium study, which was quite frankly the, I think was the largest download of the audio podcast, was the mm-hmm. millennium study. Mm-hmm. People, want know, people want to know People have a, sort of have an understanding of the, you know where we're going now from these teachings, but that one is like, what, We have just a couple of prophetic peoples into the millennium, And so that study everybody was interested. And those are great days. When he comes back, it's going to be, Oh, happy day. Remember that song? What was it? The Edwin Hawkins singers? Oh, happy day. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth. On top of the mountains, its fruit shall wave like Lebanon. And those of the city, there will be cities, shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name, the name of the wicked will rot. The name of our God will endure forever. And men shall be... Blessed in him, all nations shall call him blessed. That's not happening right now. Stay tuned. All these warrior nations, all we're going to address in the revelations and the visions of Daniel and the interpretation of the dreams of Daniel, we're going to see that the nations are going to come to the King of Kings. So they're going to call him blessed. Now they're cursing him. The nations who are going to come against Israel, who hate the apple of his eye, they're going to be, they're going to. They're going to pay for that. And many in those nations are going to get saved. And this is why we want to minister to those nations. This is why I want you to read Mideast Beast, if you can. Uh, I have it in my notes this morning, but if you haven't read Travis Snow's Passover King, it's a phenomenal book. I just heartily recommend both of those books. They're, they're great. There's, there's no homework, but I, those are two great books. You could also get them on audio. I'm listening to, I'm reading Passover, I'm reading um, Midi space now, and I'm also listening to it in my car occasionally. Robin walks around the house with these little earphone things that, so she could still hear me when I scream and yell. But, but oh, anyway, she she or she can ignore me. But, but she'll listen to a, like a, a you know a 15 chapter book in like three days because she anyway moving right on. <laughs> blessed be the Lord, the God of the God. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. That wonder, that mystifying, comes from a spirit awareness that it's God doing these things. That's Like the world just, you know, they read the weather report, they read the news report, some of the things cause panic, they cause men's hearts to fail, they cause, cause people to become selfish, they cause people to withdraw, to become survivalists. So people are looking for ways of, how do I navigate what's going on? The saints are going, he's only doing wondrous things, he's amazing. It's such a relief. There's a peace I leave with you, not not the peace of this world. So when we understand these things, there's a peace that comes upon us, and that peace will save us from panic. Remember Saul, who was waiting for the prophet to come? And he panicked and got religious. We're going to see a manifestation of religiosity as things get crazier. Some of the churches who don't want to believe in the supernatural are going to get more religious. Because they think I just got to work harder. I got to turn up the treadmill. Because somehow I'm not pleasing to God. It's going to be part of the Jewish dilemma, I believe, in Israel and the Orthodox Jewish people around the world, who think that how they're living now, much of it with good intent, they're thinking how we're living is putting is keeping our finger in the dike of God's wrath. So we have to dove in more. We have to do this more. We have to be. We we have to. You know, we have to impose these um, standards that we have established through Talmudic writings, even if they disagree with even if they contradict their own Torah, but we have to do these things because we have to please God because if we were pleasing him, we wouldn't be in all the trouble we're in. And the answer is no, that's not the story. We're going to even look at that this morning. So, So this is my fourth or fifth time through the whole book in some measure of detail as far as teaching it goes. I can't tell you how many times I've read this book. I'm not bragging. I'm simply saying I've read it a lot. I've probably listened to it 20 times this year on my bicycle, plus reading it. uh, So I'm intimidated, but I I think I'm happily intimidated. It's not like freak out intimidated. But I'm just saying, but the past several times I've taught the book, I found myself, and I'm doing it again this morning and maybe next week, spending a measurable amount of intro time Establishing a foundation of understanding on the book, I don't often do that, but I remember when I did this in California when we taught it, we did that. It was like eleven or twelve week, two hour sessions. I remember laying out a groundwork for it because there's some things that you want to just be familiar with. It just it's healthy for us, and and it's also refreshing to re- be reminded of them. So and you know so it's crazy. It, there's always going to be. Um, there's always going to be new to us news that we process as we go into this. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is on the book. He's on the whole book, the whole Bible book, but particularly this book. I've never taught a book as recently as I'm reteaching this one. I taught it like a year ago or two years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I kept feeling like I wanted me to teach it again. I'm thinking, you know, I knew He remembered <laughs> that we had. just... <laughs> But I do, I just and feel... And you reminded him. I did, remi- I did remind him, though. <laughs> so, anyway, so I want to assure you, and as always, that, you know, Jesus is the Word. He didn't just write the Word or breathe on the Word. He is the Word. And Jesus was the fullness of God manifested in the flesh. And the Shema tells us that God is a Echad. It means Jesus is a Echad. He's this completeness. And the Word of God is a Echad. It's the wholeness and the completeness and the perfection of God in the entire Word of God. And even in the more challenging um, to understand portions of Scripture, that some have been broken open already, some will be broken open. Now my dear friend Dan Bruce, who has a book called Unsealing Daniel, he, we have long phone conversations. We've become friends over the course of the last couple of years there's certain things that he believes are open and, and, and a lot of people when they have a, and myself included when, we, when you have a revelation from the Lord sometimes you think that is the revelation like that's the only way, that's the only revelation I have a, there's a scripture in Thessalonians about the restrainer holding things back until the man of sin is revealed I had one of the most profound supernatural revelations of my life when we were in California one time sleeping in my grandson's bed Robert and I, he gets he, Shares a room with one of his sisters, and we sleep. And I'd gone to bed a little early, in the robin that night, and I had like a supernatural event, and I, so I know it was from the Lord. And I had been studying that verse for a while, and then now I've read, and I've read other people's commentaries and thoughts on it. And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. So we're going to be receiving new revelation and insight into these things. Okay, and there will be divine bunny trails but we will be reading line by line. So the bunny trails are not to divert us away from tough things that we're, um, that we're going to be studying. Okay. And we will be in both Testaments because I don't believe it's even wise or safe to stay in one Testament. The story, God purposely breathed upon it and continues to breathe upon the revelation of Scripture to require us, and lure us into both, into both Testaments. So please, on one hand, be intimidated by the Scriptures, but don't be intimidated by the Scriptures. On one hand, do, on one hand tremble at the Word. Another, on one hand, embrace it. If you have a paper Bible, mark it up. Put notes in your digital But Whatever you do, ask God. Lay your hands on it. Do whatever you do. But read it. Listen to it. Every, any way that you can infuse that into you is going to bless you. It's going to radically... So I remain mesmerized, challenged, encouraged, intimidated, and I'm still learning. And I know more now than I did a year ago, as do you. And we'll never get... When that scripture said, oh, the depths of the riches of the goodness of God, and they're basically they're unsearchable, it doesn't mean they're not able to be searched. It means you'll never get to the bottom. So you could be 80, 90. We're going to look a lot at the man Daniel. Because the revelation he received when he was 82, 83 years old was Daniel 9. He He was like a Henry Kissinger of multiple empires, probably living as good as you could live in those days, given all the circumstances. And he chose to go out and fast and wear sackcloth. And search God out in his 80s. He was still getting more from God. I mean, I love that. Doesn't that encourage you, General Pat? There's, 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 my, there's my model right there. God bless you, General Pat. So I'm still learning, and, um, and you're still learning. And I believe by God that there's progress being made by the saints in these days, by the readers, per Matthew 24, which we're going to look at, and it's, but it's truncated here. When Jesus testifies about the Word of God, and points us to the Word of to the word of God in Daniel, he says, whoever reads, let him understand. There's a requirement there. It's a certain group of people. And it just doesn't mean you read it once. It means whoever is in it, whoever is committed to this book, I break it open for you, particularly in the days when this horrific event, when this despicable evil is in the temple that is so unholy, it will initiate a desolation. Of the presence of God, it'll be like a uh, like sucking the oxygen out of a room spiritually. It'll be so bleak that temple will be so bleak because of this desolation. He goes at that time. He says, "Whoever reads, I believe." He's saying, "I'm breaking these things open." I believe he's breaking them open even now. Mm-hmm. It's just like amazing. Even as we sit here, and you can feel God. I, you know, you know. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, some of the technicals which I literally cut and paste every week, and it's getting a little bigger, when I bold and underline or I put in all caps, it doesn't necessarily mean it's more critical, but it does mean I don't want to miss it in my teaching. Because this is an audio teaching, I do that for me. And so again, I apologize in advance for you know misspells and awkward, weird things like even that. Thing that we just read earlier, how to figure it out. What I wrote to myself, but um, but that happens because it's we're doing it quickly and freshly, and I'd rather do it that way. And if someone ever wants to edit a bazillion pages, you can go at it. I send you, I send you Word docs. I don't send you PDFs. So do whatever you want. Okay. And also, there's teeny type, and teeny type is so that you can read a context most often. I include that, only so uh, for your edification, so you can read the context, but just, I mean, we could spend hours doing this, and um, already it's they always get lengthy, but it's less important to the overall revelation that we're going into at that particular moment of the teaching. So if I teeny-type something, it's for you, but we probably won't cover it. There's three Bible logistics which are important here in this study and throughout all of Scripture, but not to be overlooked. In Daniel, and that is the concept of and I, you know, the word fulfillment. And I, I, I've made so many corrections to my spell check custom dictionary list, I don't even know how to spell fulfillment anymore because I put all the L's <laughs> in there. I have t- full with two L's and then a dash and then F I L L again. But I'm saying when something gets fully filled, it's a fulfillment that's what it means it's fulfilled. But then there's other times people will call them half. Filments, or partial, I always refer to them as half filaments, but one of the things we know in Scripture is um, very rarely in Scripture um, will, um, well, it never tells us that because something is fulfilled, it won't get fulfilled again. Usually it's not fully filled in the first manifestation or the second or the third, like the temple destructions, where when you first, when Jesus is sitting there, he's talking about the destruction of the temple, and, he's, and everybody's saying, oh, that was 70 AD, those were the tough times, now they're over, now it's smooth sailing, and Jesus is coming back in the clouds in a tuxedo with a, with a carnation, and he's just going to marry the bride. That's not true, because it doesn't fit the achad of Scripture, the description of Scripture. It's going to be some tough stuff happening, and we know that even though it was fulfilled in roughly in 70 AD, the big fulfillment is later. So there's other things that we know in Scripture. When uh, Jesus spoke to us in Matthew, and he said all the jots and tittles, all the little elements of the, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet is going to be fulfilled, if something hasn't been fulfilled yet, then we have what I often refer to as the H-H-Ys, meaning hasn't happened yet. So there are things that we know to look for because we know they haven't happened. If you're a student at all of biblical history, especially there's certain th- and we know he hasn't come back yet. There are times in when Paul is dealing with false doctrine in the New Testament, he says they even said that uh, Jesus came back already. Yeah. It got that weird, and he's saying those people like he-, he are heaping condemnation. On themselves and they're overthrowing the faith of some. There were people who had, you know, either they had no access to scripture or they didn't know scripture, but they got saved. Now they're going to church, and along comes some liar, some deceiver, taking it all the way to oh, he's, he's returned again already. <coughs> the, resurrection, the resurrection, yeah, yeah, yeah the what a resurrection of the dead. I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of this stuff. Do you remember when you first, if you especially if you were, like, I was never in a church. You know, Frank, I'm teaching because I was raised Jewish. And when I remember the first year we got saved, and I remember sitting at someone's house in Redondo Beach and someone saying the goofiest thing, like total goofy. And I'm thinking, oh, really? I don't know. I It doesn't, it's not <laughs> sitting well in me, but it, I don't know because I simply didn't know. And so this is why you want the word in you so you become, you become, um, more stubborn for truth you want to become stubborn you don't want to be stubborn just for the sake of stubborn but you want to be stubborn for truth so another thing is is that specifically even though jesus in matthew tells us that um every jot and tittle is going to be fulfilled to the contrary just because certain things happen once doesn't mean that god can't or won't do them again there's no you'll never find that but you will find instances in Scripture where it'll say it'll never happen again. The perfect one is Genesis 9.15, after the flood. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Now there are some limiters. If you write contracts or you're an attorney, You'd say, oh, so God didn't say I'll never send a flood again, he sent many floods. I mean, the Egyptians couldn't have pl- pulled the scripture out when they were drowning in the Red Sea. They fl- the water flooded over them, and we've, we've had terrible floods in America that have, people have lost lives. Cities have gone away. I know William Branham, I think he lost his first wife to a flood in Indiana. So there have been floods that have occurred, but he's, he, what does God say here? I'm going to remember that I made a covenant. Now, you know, we have a certain culture who wants to hijack the rainbow. The rainbow is our God's sign to us of a covenant that he will not break. He says the whole world will not be destroyed by a global flood. He doesn't say the whole world will not be impacted by violence and destruction, he simply says, I'm not going to use a global flood. So this verse is very clear, but this is a promise. We, we're sure if someone comes and says, oh, because of climate change and because of this and because we're all not driving a certain kind of car, we're in jeopardy now of a global flood that will destroy the world, well, you could just you know, go on, check into your news source, sign in with your password, and just put Genesis 9.15 there and just stop all the other stuff. So we're told to study, read, press into the Word of God. So we learn not only what God is saying, but how God often says things. There's a culture in the book, and this is so well uh, described in, um, uh, in Mideast Beast. There's amazing generalities, real educational general format things, that this is a Mid Eastern book. Now, it doesn't mean God is Middle eastern but all the prophets were Middle Eastern, the people who wrote it. And they wrote within the context of they knew the names of the nations. Some of the nation, national names morphed, even over the thousands of years during which the scriptures are written. Some of that can get a little confusing. We don't know where the borders of Babylon are. We don't know who the Scythians were. They think it was like massive. There were tribes that went through different places, and it wasn't simply a blood lineage. So there's a whole lot of things that we could reference. And thank God we have an Internet where there is a little bit of truth there. If you're careful and you read and you search carefully, you can see that borders shifted and all that. You know, when we talked about Ezekiel, we understood that the prophecy of the late nations leading the charge against Israel had nothing in common in the book, when the book of Ezekiel was written. But now they have Islam in common. So some very sobering things that weren't clear then, but they're clear now. If you read, I read Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton, uh, he wrote a book on the on the book of Daniel. He interpreted from when he was, from when he was living, and there's things that he looked forward. And I think some of them he got right. I don't know that he got them all right, but he knew what he knew. He knew it. he was a genius. He was a crazy genius man. It was amazing. He was a believer. So, but but we have to read it with an understanding. Like there's things where it says there's just there's hyperbole. There's a little bit we would, I don't want to say it's simply exaggeration, but there's hyperbole. We know when, when Daniel stands before Nebuchadnezzar and tells him he's king of the whole earth or he's king of kings, he tells that to them. He wasn't king over the Mayans. So we, we have to start understanding the context of scripture. So, yeah, blessed are the flexible there, okay? Um, also, there's things that are in place to provide us codes, hacks, and links to other. Passages of future time prophecy, like this this word acharit yam or yamim, which is a plural of day days, it, latter days, and and um, so there are times like Daniel is spoken to in Daniel ten. Now I have come. This angel comes. This messenger from heaven comes to Daniel. Now I have come to make you understand. This is interesting because he's in Daniel 10. I mean, this is not the beginning of his captivity, he'd already interpreted dreams, he'd already had visions, and and this angelic visitation, he says, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the achariyam, in the latter days. And then he clarifies it, and he actually educates us. He says, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. The whole, We've studied a lot here in this, these sessions on the timing of God. A lot of times people get a word, and they think it's going to happen tomorrow, and tomorrow might be 40 years from now. So you hold on to the word, you pray into the word, but don't try to manipulate to make something happen out of time. That's when you start stumbling, and you get, you get into religious trouble. We have a friend who really had a word that she was going to marry a guy named Michael. She chased this guy, this godly man named Michael. She chased him down. And then she realized that was the, not the Michael. She ended up marrying a Michael. She got the right Michael. You just got to be careful. <laughs> It's funny, funny, not funny. Okay, another thing that God does in his mystery, in this magical mystery tour, he chooses to cloak or hide meanings of what the Lord chooses to reveal to a specific group of people. It's just like we read in Daniel. The reader understand Those who will humbly, honestly, simply, diligently press in to the word without an agenda to try to justify something. This is very, very important, especially as you start building up a repertoire or a, um, <laughs> a wine cellar of the glory of God, and you have the word in you, it's real easy if, if you read something to immediately try to fit it into your perspective. And the more mature you are, and the more humble, and the more you press in daily, and you keep it fresh, and blah, 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 the more it'll work. But sometimes you find yourself trying to wedge it into place. And I have had to adjust my theology. this things that after a while, I thought, oh, Maybe i got to reconsider that somehow. It wasn't like off 180 degrees, but I want to dial in my little scope rifle, if you will, for windage, (laughs) the windage of the Spirit. I want to dial it in. God, what are you saying? And listen to what Jesus tells us here in Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered. Now, another thing, the word answered. Do you ever notice in Scripture no one said anything and then someone answered? It's because we don't have a word to describe what they're doing, it's basically saying, responding to the environment or circumstance or including a question. Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father. This one, he might have had a, there might have been a talkie before, and I don't remember exactly, but I'm just saying a lot of times you'll hear them say, Jesus, someone answered anything. No one said anything. Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord, of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. So he wasn't stroking God. He was saying that for our purpose, that it was good in the sight of God to not let certain people understand certain things. He was reserving them for us. I love that. That's so cool. That way, we can. This book's for me, it's for you. It's not just for theologians, and it's not just for teachers or preachers or songwriters. It's for everybody, it's your book. For you. At the same time, there's a spiritual issue to understand, and that is there's a requirement that the eyes and mind of Christ are in us so that we understand things, so that the understanding believer, um, you know, they, so that we get this right. Even Jewish scholars, even now, because this verse here in 2 Corinthians has no expiration date. This wasn't simply first testament, first. Uh, you know, first uh, century of the New Testament. Paul is writing, Rabbi Paul. He was a rabbi, like he studied the scriptures all the time. Listen to what he says. He's talking about the Jewish students of scripture, the experts. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, meaning as of the writing of this, this hasn't changed, but he's not saying it's going to come up when a day happens. Actually, there is in Ezekiel 39, but that's yet to come. But he's saying, for until this day, <clears throat> the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when anyone, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. God opens up the scriptures to you so you could have someone who really has been studying scripture for many, many years. They don't know Jesus. And somehow it makes more sense to you than it does to them. <clears throat> so obviously <clears throat> that's not a place for arrogance, like don't tell me I know Jesus. I have a prayer life. I've been radically transformed. <clears throat> but at the same time, he's saying, there's things I will reveal. I will take the veil off your eyes. A lot, we have to be very careful, again, because sometimes I'll read a little bit of Talmud or you know some of the old Jewish texts, Mishnah. And, and a lot of it's like legit. A lot of it's bogus. And a lot of it's religious philosophy. And, and Paul refers to as fables, Jewish fables. So we have to be very, very careful how we handle that. You know, and it's interesting, I love this, Smith Wigglesworth, who was the uh, former literate British plumber turned evangelist, and he says, you know, some people read their Bibles in Greek and some in Hebrew. He says, I read it in the Holy Spirit. I love that. And the guy was sort of blunt kind of guy, and he wasn't really so much into eschatology, but he raised the dead. He was getting something right. And I've been ministered to mightily by this guy, and if I want to read theology, I usually don't read him. If I want a lightning, I read Smith Wigglesworth. And God has actually blessed me in that, I've told you stories I think in the past where I got up in the middle of the night. I just lay down. I was like dozing off and I really felt like I need to read something Wigglesworthy. So I grabbed one of the eight or nine books that I have of his and quite frankly just threw it open. I've read them all and and I threw one open and it was him giving a message in tongues. It just says message in tongues. It doesn't have some phonetic weirdities there. And then he gives the interpretation. He speaks out English, obviously, and he's ministering he's prophesying a scripture that God had given to me a couple of months earlier and I'm like whoa Marked the script page in the book that I still can't remember and which was significant and I put the book back on the shelf but I'm just saying that don't be intimidated if you don't know Greek or you don't know Latin or you don't know Hebrew I wish I did quite frankly I plow my way through a little bit of Hebrew, thanks to some of the digital resources I have, but I don't know it, but I I press in, and you guys press in, so do that. The other one is, the whole book is for us and fully intended, and you guys know this, and if you're new to this study, I'm going to go through it once, and I'll probably go through it again several times during the course of this message, because it was a game-changer for me. And I have heard speakers, keynote speakers tell people how much to limit their reading of the Old Testament. I thought, oi, talk about an issue. So here's, really, the Old Testament, which is hilarious. Both testaments are old. We're reading a New Testament that's 2,000 years old. So if you really want to get technical, it's an Old Testament and an Older Testament. Was he barking at the paintbrush? Okay. Okay. So 1 Peter is speaking, and this is critical for us to understand. God has laid out a battle plan. First of all, the whole book is the Word of God. God has laid out a battle plan for the conclusion of the age that requires by intent that we know the Bible. This is why the bunny trails. So the two testaments testify of one another. The chapters testify of one another. And when we start getting a little bit of a well of understanding, then you start weighing things against what you know. And it helps you in establishing the credibility of a, th- of, your, of a theory, what a scripture might say. But this is very, very important. 1 Peter 1.10. Peter is talking about the Old Testament prophets, the Jewish prophets writing the Old Testament of this salvation, the salvation that we are now walking in, the born-again experience of a converted life, Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, which we are walking in now and continues to come upon us. And here's what they were doing: searching what, or what manner of time, meaning what and when, what and when. The Spirit of Christ, who was in them, the, the the Messiah Spirit, who was in the Old Testament prophets, was indicating when He, not it. He testified before it occurred the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Christ's sufferings were over by the time Peter was writing this. He's talking about the 33 years. He's talking about the three years of ministry. He's talking about the work on the cross. He's talking about the, the time in, when he went down to the place of the dead. He's talking about that. He goes, They're writing Holy Spirit infused revelation on these scrolls, thinking, What are you talking about, God? When is this going to happen? To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us. That's crazy. Basically the Holy Spirit is saying to the prophets of the Jewish scriptures, I'm writing for a generation of people to come who are going to be infused with the Holy Spirit and walking in a Holy Spirit obedience and led by the Spirit and to them I'm writing these things. Just write. Just write these things down. Just sit down, shut up, and listen, and stop dialoguing. It's okay, I love you, but, but just write it down. It's not for you, it's for them. Can you imagine the frustration? They had a frustration. But it says in Hebrews that they were told without us, they weren't even going to be made perfect. It says that at the conclusion of guys getting martyred. And here we are, we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the beneficiaries of that. We're in this place where God? why do you think there's such a battle against people praying in tongues or being filled with the Holy Spirit or let's modulate it so we don't offend anybody and we've looked at Corinthians and people falling down in prophecy works and why do you think there's such a, a, like the devil's thinking if I can't get these people to deny Christ at least I can dumb them down so they're not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then when you're walking, you know, it, it, when you, that happens to you, it's a whole different ballgame, really. So he says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering to things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Angels are desiring to look into what's available to us. They get their minds blown by us. Therefore... He says, basically, put your pants on your head. He's basically saying, he's saying, cinch up your head. Cinch up your brain. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is still to come, to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is that wild? Is that wild? And then going on just for time's sake. And then he says here, verse 22, you, have, you play a part this is part of the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which we want, as long as the revelation. You have purified your soul since you have purified yourselves in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren. He's saying one manifestation of you being sanctified is that you love the brethren without any kind of agenda. That's not easy. I mean, we're all so different; we weird out, and we no, we do all of us do, and and you know we bring our family baggage with us. We bring our pre-salvation baggage, our church offenses, all that. He's saying you you purify your soul in obeying the truth, and it's manifested that you have a pure heart, and you're not playing any games with your, in your own head or with the brethren. He said, this is a manifestation. So we could park here for weeks and go on, but I'll just we'll go on here. And he says, so you have a pure conscience, And he says, you've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. And then he goes on, he says, because everything's going to fall away except the word of God endures forever. I am so happy there. Okay, so there's more... Bible technicals. Because of the theme of all Saturday studies have been, and likely always will be, how we're living in the days prior to the Lord's return, this teaching and this group of folks have, time and again, covered most all the biblical scriptures, read these following subjects. If you're new to these studies or my teachings, we'll cover them again, trust me. Okay? The overall timing of God, the whole magic of God's timing, clocks, season, days, dates, Genesis to Revelation, this particular time in God's plan, which is clear and will be clear in Daniel, what's upcoming prior to and at the time of his return, what his return will entail and look like, the special call upon the saints from our being tested to anointing, to grace to succeed in great exploits, the reward of the Lord for those who lay hold of the grace to be faithful. So that's, it's going to be, it's a very encouraging, it's going to be good. And we'll circle back into many of the scripture passages that we've covered in the past because they're critical to this. I'm convinced, of course, that Gog and Antichrist are one and the same. You can math Numbers 24-7, you have it in the notes. Ezekiel 37:39. these are the two books I recommend. Again, Islamic, Antichrist, and Passover King are really, and they're good books, and they're well-written, and they're, they're theological, but they're not, they're not like thick. Some theological books are really great if the writer stopped trying to impress you with his vocabulary. These are really down they're Hamishia. They're down to earth, they're they're just good. Okay? Matthew twenty-four and it not being yet fulfilled, we're going to address that. You know, even one Jerusalem temple being destroyed, it was not. We're gonna look at that. We're gonna look at the massive role of Babylon, Babel Babylon from Nimrod in the earliest times of mankind on earth, all the way through to the final chapters of Revelation, where it says Babylon has fallen. In one way it's geographical. In one way, it's a nickname for the satanic empire. So we're going to learn that. We're going to learn to hold some of those. I think a lot of what's happening as far as Babylon falling at the conclusion of age it will involve the, the logistics, the geography of Babylon. It's going to involve other places too. So if you're new, take heart that you won't be left out because these are familiar topics. We'll cover them as we can. Okay? So the book is not easy by divine design. So don't freak out as we read it, or if you sneak ahead. I mean, read it, listen to it, but don't freak out over it. Okay, it's just not, it's by design, okay? The first six chapters sort of look like, those are the, I want to say, easy chapters. They look like Sunday school stories. You got no, Daniel was in the lion's den, and there are the lions, and there's Daniel standing there looking up, and there's light coming in through the rocks. That's what we always see. And you go, oh, three friends of Daniel. Poor Abednego, who was always referred to as a Bendigo. But anyway, but those three guys <laughs> and their Persian names, and they're the ones who wouldn't bow down to the big statue if you ever saw um, VeggieTales. It was a great version of the bunny. It's hilarious. But you could have an altar call after watching Veggie Tales, the bunny, the one with the bunny in it. It's unbelievable. And then, of course, we have handwriting on the wall, which people use it, oh, that's the handwriting on the wall. Well, in Daniel, there is handwriting on the wall. And the king's knees were knocking. And he fell to the floor, and he didn't know what to do. And they bring Daniel in, and Daniel had already had revel- uh, visions that are presented to us chronologically a little bit out of order in the book of Daniel that happened during the days of Belshazzar. And, da- and so Daniel came into the room and basically read this guy the riot act and translated the writing that was on the wall. And in English, he basically said, you're a lightweight You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting is Bible speak for, dude, you are a lightweight, and you are toast. So that would be the Brooklyn version of Daniel (laughs) interpreting the writing on the wall. So we hear things, these are like all in the first chapters of of the book of Daniel, but then it starts getting into stuff that's not that easy. But one of the things that's really critical for us is to understand the personality of the man Daniel. This is so critical. It overwhelmed me the last two times I taught it. It continues to because, first of all, I'm getting older. I'm getting close to 80s now. Then I'm 74 now. And, uh, and I'm closer today than I was yesterday, as are you. But um, it, we, need to see the, we need to see the model of a, of a man who is marked as so special time and time again in Scripture. You want to have an example of a perfect person on earth. And no one's perfect except Jesus, obviously. But Daniel is amazing. And listen to this. There's a success that's available to us depending upon how we choose to walk in his grace. It's up to you. And that's between you and him because you know how, you, how your life goes with him is between you and him. And That's why we can't judge someone even in the observance of a holy day, or like Paul said. So, you know, so, oh, I pray an hour a day and you only pray 10 minutes a day. Well, that's between you and the Lord. What if you called the hour a day guy to be praying three hours and the 10 minute person, their life is so full at this point because it's a single mom with eight kids or something and 10 minutes God's going, do you believe? That's like the, that's like the widow's mite. So we have, you have to, you're, it's between you and the Lord. Find out where you are with God. The result is going to be that you're anointed, and you're humble, and you're holy, and there's good stuff happening around you. That's going to be the fruit. Our pastor used to say I'm a fruit inspector. He's not a a clock monitor. So, look at this. This is, Daniel is told this at the conclusion, and this is about the conclusion of the age. He's talking about the Antichrist, and he says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But, the people who know their God, who Yada, who intimately are deep into a relationship with God, they'll be strong. They shall be strong carry out the great exploit. The world's so dying to see the great. They want to hear stories of people getting saved at Home Depot. They want to hear these stories. And we're starting to hear my we heard a couple of miracles yesterday. It was like amazing things are happening now in the kingdom of God. And we want to trumpet them. We want to bud, we want to speak it out because the atmosphere is full of terror. And fright and freak out and warning and 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 hunker down, and the saints are supposed to be proclaiming truth. And those are truths, by the way, and they're here to shake us to get people praying. But they need to hear of a God who's bigger than that. And when they when you could point to a scripture saying, "Look what's happening." Oh, you think the weather's weird now? Read Amos three and four. God's dealt like with with people in the past like that. Just ain't, all you gotta do is remember three and four. Amos three and four. Just read Amos 3 and 4. Tell me whether God used, minute, used weather patterns to get the attention of coming and breaking people and looking quickly at the man Daniel. Oh, we're making pretty good time, actually. Daniel 9, listen, this is so cool. So Daniel here is 80 or 81, 81 or 82 years old. 81 or 82 years old. Living good, living well. He had seen kingdoms rise and fall. He had been through Nebuchadnezzar. He had been through Belshazzar. He had been through Cyrus and Darius. I mean, he was one of them was still on the throne at that time. This guy, he, he could have sat back on his Rolls Royce and written a book, you know, how to sit, on, sit back on, in your Rolls Royce, you know. People, by circumstance, get rich, and they want to sell you a book, how they got rich. And, and he could have said, how to succeed as a man of God. But he's saying, no, I'm going to be fasting and praying. I'm going down to the river. And God's, listen to this. And I love the way he writes it. It's hilarious. And this is the, what he's given here in Daniel 9 is called the 70-week prophecy. It's, in essence, it's the whole battle plan for the conclusion of the age. It's the birth of the Savior. It's him getting cut off for the sins of the people. It's the return. So here's heaven looking to reveal this to a certain person. And here's this 80-some-odd-year-old man thinking, yeah, I have a track record of reading handwritings on the wall and having visions and interpreting dreams, even telling people their dreams, saving the bacon of all the false seers and prophets, saving their lives, saving their lives. And then they set me up and I end up in the lion's den because they're corrupt. I mean, his story is unbelievable. We're going to see it in the first six chapters. It's amazing. He says, I'm going out. I'm going to leave my nice abode, and I'm going to put on sackcloth. I'm going to humiliate myself, and I'm just going to search for God. Listen to this. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin, this guy, first of all, you sort of think, dude, your sin? But he knew he was a person. While I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and owning, if you will, the sin of my people Israel, which which was sad. And presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. He's praying for Israel. He knew they were coming back. He knew by the words in Jeremiah that there was a 70-year sentence on Israel, and they were about to be released from that sentence supernaturally by Cyrus, whose culture as a king had been to restore people back to where they had been taken from. He knew all that, and instead of just waiting there with his bags packed, he thought, I'm going to press in he goes while I'm saying this to God and then in 21 he's saying I don't want you to miss this in the middle of me speaking out I get interrupted he didn't say when I finished he's going yeah look look at, look at the dial I'm saying oh God this is a we've sinned and it's an amazing prayer of rep- oh God oh God and he gets this whoosh and an interruption and an angel shows up yes while I was speaking in prayer The man Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, they look like men. The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, the other visions, I already knew who Gabriel was, being caused to fly swiftly, meaning he was a sign saying, you get there right now and you interrupt this man's prayer because he wants to hear it now. He's at that place, he's ripe and ready and people for generations to come need to know that when you're in that place, I'll interrupt your prayer. I'll come right on in. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yes, while I was speaking, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, and he informed me and talked to me and said, Oh, Daniel, I've now come forth to give you skill to understand. This is chapter 9. you know how much understanding he'd already revealed to the world? And he's saying, you're going for the upgrade. There's more for you, Daniel. At 82 years old, you want an upgrade. Stop plateauing. You want to be a movement, not a monument. He could have been a monument 20 times over. Yeah. He goes now. I have now given come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the beca- the, the command went out, and I've come to tell you why. For you are greatly beloved. God help. God help us, and we are. Is that amazing? Because you're greatly beloved, because God's proud of you. He's probably a eunuch. He didn't have an easy life. There's no reference to marriage. There's no reference to kids. He served under the head of the eunuchs when he was taken there. He was probably taken there at 14, 15, 16 years of age. He's now 81, 82, and he keeps pressing in. And he goes, you are greatly beloved, Oh God. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. When he's saying, consider the matter and understand the vision, I believe it's exactly like Jesus said, let the reader understand. I believe Gabriel's going, whoosh, I'm going to give you understanding right now. Receive this understanding, because you're special. Because you chose, by virtue of a lifestyle of surrender, To be special to god our pastor used to say all the time you can have as much of god in your life as you make room for just like everybody gets 24 hours you get one you how much room do you make for god and you know because we have free will there's all sorts of things that just want to yell at us and distract us and and you know you don't want to just be have blinders on to the world we have to know a little bit and do it but you want to stay riveted on what is god doing that's our model for revelation Complete revelation eligibility. God in His mercy shows even us stuff. <laughs> but this is how much you want. This is not a competition ever. If it's a competition, you miss the whole point. If you're if you reveal something to someone else, simply thinking I want them to know what I know, you got other you got deeper issues than what you know. You're way deeper issues. So the book of Daniel is intentionally intimidating, supernaturally transformative, and I believe he intent, God intended it to be intimidating and transformative, both. So you sit there and you tremble at it because you think this thing is radioactive. The Word of God is radioactive. Why do you think they get... You can bring, any, you can bring pornography to school, they teach it, but don't bring a Bible. This is why, because this is holy ground. We are aware of the story last night that there was a thing happened yesterday. You told us the story that there was a little bit of a building thing coming on and they were pouring concrete and someone says, "Let's put a Bible in the concrete." Someone said, "Well, why would you do that?" And he says, "Because it's the foundation." And this guy went to get this Bible and he was like sort of nominal, I guess, in his faith. Yeah. And yeah. as he's walking back to this concrete pour, He falls down under the presence of God and gets up transformed. This is, we're talking yesterday or two days ago now? It was on Thursday. Thursday. This stuff's happening. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Jehovah, wonderful, huh? Mm -hmm. Yes. Great exploits. Wild and crazy stuff. It's transformative. Paul tells us in Romans, and I love this, we're going to read a little bit of it here. Okay. Now remember, he's a rabbi, Okay. so he studied the Old Testament. He knew it. He taught it. He was like one of those big deal guys. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Okay. And he's writing about the Jewish dilemma, which, quite frankly, is still playing out. A lot of the sufferings, they don't realize that. Read Ezekiel 39, the last 5, 8, 10 verses. You'll see where the realization of why things had to happen, why there was trouble. We're going to read in uh, Daniel where it talks about because of transgression, an army was given over to the Antichrist. Because of the sin of the covenant people, an army was given over to the bad guys because God's working this whole thing, this whole divine dynamic tension going on on earth. That's why we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. That's why he's giving you a prayer language, so you don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit will know how to pray. So you just pray, and things will work out. Here's transformation. Paul is talking about the... He read, he start, he's writing to the Roman church was primarily Gentile, and the Jews had been kicked out of Rome, and now they had come back, and the church had been flourishing without the Jews because God honors people gathering in his name, even if things are funky. And so they had basically replacement theology. He was born in Rome, and Paul the rabbi, who they honored, thinking, well, we don't want those Jews, but we want you Jew. And he's writing to them thinking, you be careful. You be careful about this thing. There's a, there's a root of Jewishness that has been, the church has been robbed of. And so we, you know we don't want to be too Jew, but at the same time, there's something there. Paul got it. Paul totally got it. But listen to what he says to the primarily Gentile church. 11.25, Romans 11.25. For I do desire, brethren, that you should... I do, that I do not desire... Thank you. I was looking for the not in the next part of the sentence. I mean, where'd it go? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, which is something for us to remember, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. It's completely touched upon In Daniel. In fact, many people contend that the time of the Gentiles started at the Babylonian captivity. That there's never really been a program in Israel, in the land of Israel, in Edets Yisrael. It hasn't really been established the way it should be starting then. And there's people like Dan Bruce who've done prophetic math and, and arrived at some amazing conclusions, which we'll probably cover. But he says, so. Its blindness is on the Jewish people right now. We know in Corinthians, we read it earlier, there's a veil over their eyes. When the Jew gets saved, the veil gets taken off. And so all Israel will be saved, all Israel, meaning those who are truly Israel, and those who and the remnant, so the conclusion, as it is written, and he's looking forward, Paul's projecting forward to something that hasn't happened yet, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So he will come out of it, so he has come out, he was already crucified, he was already born, he was ready in ministry, he was already ascended, but he says he'll come out of Zion again, he's going to appear to the world as a deliverer deliverer is coming out of zion and he will turn away ungodliness from jacob that has not happened yet really there's an unbelievable amount of ungodliness in israel you don't know what to expect first time you're there and even after you're there once or twice or three times or more you start realizing this place is like weird mm-hmm. it's spiritually where it is it's like sedona on lsd or steroids it's like super uber spiritual in the climate but it's weird and some of it's spot on true, and some of it is power of God, and a lot of it is just desperate religiosity with ignorance. So it's a mess still, which is why there's still going to be trouble. Like I believe um, uh, Jeremiah thirty, like Jacob's trouble at the at the conclusion of age. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, he's talking about the Jewish people who literally had Paul in jail many times or sent people to these uh, Gentile uh, nations where Paul was going to condemn him before he got there. He's going to take out your, your gods, and he's lying about our God. So they were setting Paul up. He was in prison. He was beaten. We know the story of Paul. Concerning the gospel, they currently are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they're beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifting, the calling of God are irrevocable. He's saying God makes a covenant, he keeps it. The judgments, if, if you, when we read Daniel 9, months from now probably, when we read it though, you're going to see that he says, Oh God, I understand that because you're righteous, these things have come upon us, because God is faithful to covenant, and read the covenant of Deuteronomy 28 to 31, you can see what the covenant says it doesn't make sense and you know why God would be dealing so harshly if you will with his people but the covenant's the covenant and he makes it bluntly clear that it, you know even to the point of why did Moses not make it into the promised land because Moses was accountable to, for being Moses Moses wasn't accountable for being some other Jewish man in the in the tribes he was Moses. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, says I'm going to have the Jews, I'm going to lay hold of them, I'm never going to give up on them, but I'll deal with them strongly. For as you were once disobedient to God as Gentiles, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so those also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy, meaning that God is going to maintain a primarily Gentile church and show them great mercy, and that we will understand the revelation of God's faithfulness to the Jews, and the church will minister to the Jews, because they're the apple of his eye. We, you, you have an issue with that? Take it up with God. Read Zechariah. It, it, they're the apple of his eye. In their stubbornness, in their blindness, in their in their the things they've done to Christians, especially Messianics in Israel, we've heard stories of bombs being delivered to people's houses, wrapped as presents, handed to Jewish Jewish? Messianic kids. A a Jewish believer in Jesus is like the lowest life form to the ultra-Orthodox. Some of them, I know one personally, can't get citizenship because they think he believes in Jesus. So it's okay your bloodline's okay your family gets taken out in the holocaust but you're not a Jew anymore because you believe in the Jewish messiah. It's a crazy maker. But God's faithful. And then he says for God has committed them all the disobedience that he might have mercy on all. And then Paul starts waxing gloriously he goes, "Oh, The depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? The answer is nobody. Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? No, he reached out to us first. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So Paul's like overwhelmed by this revelation of God as he's writing it. And this takes on new depth when we consider what is being told the to saints in the new testament age by a radically converted jewish rabbi who was called by god to pen this controversial new testament story it's controversial to the jew it's controversial to the gentile it's controversial to the buddhist to the mormon because it's a counterfeit a counterfeit christianity it's it's unbelievable it's it's contradictory to everybody And it's controversial. Paul knew what had to be accomplished on earth prior to the return of the Lord. He writes it out for us, and it fits the Old Testament story. Much of what Paul wrote is from his understanding of Daniel. Paul understood that. Paul himself already knew that a supernaturally transformative work had to be accomplished in the minds of the people of God. For us to be effective in these critical days. He had already had that work done in his own life. He was on the road to Damascus, he gets knocked down, he has a lightning bolt experience with God, he's blinded, he's led by his hand into Syria where he was going to arrest to eventually have Christians, Messianic Jews, executed, and then he ends up spending 17 years total processing I'm a Pharisee, I know the Jewish scriptures, now what do I do? I had this Damascus Road experience. What about this, God? What, 17 years. 17 years he has this. And he he says here in Galatians 1, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. I tried to destroy it. I was so Jewish. I thought this was so de- demonic. I went out of my way. I actually, whatever my ministry was prior to the, the cross, I, I actually just said, oh, my calling now is to destroy Christianity. This guy gets it. He totally gets it. So I, we won't read that. So, 20, you, it's all there for you to read. It's his story, it's amazing. And he says after, you know, he talks about three years, and he talks about four, 17 years, Paul is basically before the Lord processing, thinking, I know the scriptures are holy, I know the old, the quote, Old Testament, the scrolls don't get burnt because something new happened. I understand the Echad, I've recited Shema many times. So God, I have to understand what's going on here. And Paul had some amazing, Paul in many ways was like a Daniel. Except he died at 54. He was called Paul the Aged. It was the mileage more than the years for him. But he had a tough life beaten, starved, shipwrecked, accused, imprisoned, freezing in prison, writing in, a, in, a, in, the, in Bible parchments basically, please bring my coat, it's freezing here. This guy knew suffering. Okay, so. The closer the world gets to the return of the Lord, and the more aware we're the praying saints become we the signs, the more critical it becomes for us to be pressing in. That's the story. So the Daniel model is amazing for us. There's, you want to, you know, it says in Hebrews, you know, mark people whose lives are in Christ and use them as examples for your own life. Daniel. Look at Daniel. How did he live his life? Was it fulfilled only in God? wasn't fulfilled in a lot of the things. Do you ever hear people go, oh yeah, it's all about grandkids. It's all about family. It's all about retirement. I worked hard for 40 years. Now I'm going to play golf. It's not that. (laughs) It's not about your ministry, really. It's about what is God calling you to. That's your real ministry. So remember, one of the things that we want to do, which is why we're pressing into all of Scripture, is that a heartstone fail. We're told that these are the days. That's why suicide is up right now massively it's not just unbelievers guys it's not just unbelievers i get calls from people who are like sure god's forsaken them god's left them they they failed they did something that was unpardonable we know people who've done things that are heinous fallen into sin because satan's just going at it right now luke 21 from the lips of jesus verse 25 there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and on earth the stress of nations. That's because he loves us. So he could shake everything that will not be shaken, so what cannot be shaken will remain. It's also to get our attention. It's also to give us pointers, to point to other people. But there will be tons of perplexity, meaning wonderment with a little bit of ignorance. You don't sort of know. How do I process? What do I do? The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation of the things which are coming on the earth. So expectation of things coming, I think that points to people who believe there's a savior returning. It's not just people <clears throat> think, fearing global warming or, or, or running out of natural resources or converting to Islam out of fear because theirs is a, a, theirs is a, a, a conversion, a crusade of violence and convert or die. So there's a, a, a lot of trouble. It's going to be coming. We know that. And the book will show us that, reveal it to us. And we're going to see how good it gets, though. Men's hearts failing from fear because they're freaking out. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. So it's going to be spiritual shaking. We're going to see in the book of Daniel that God stirs the waters. When the, when the beasts start coming up and the visions start happening, it's not Satan stirring the waters. It's God sh- it's doing. It's angels shaking things. It's God's timing. It's his plan. He's sovereign. Then the people who are here on earth then, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for that trouble stuff. We'll see it. We see some of it now. And he says, now when these things begin to happen, which quite frankly is right now, they're beginning. There's a couple of bubbles in the pot. He says, lift up your head because this thing has happened. There's something's going on there. There's some movement. So wonderfully, God not only testifies to the validity of the book of Daniel, but assures us the book will be open to us at this time. And this is what we read quickly earlier this morning. Daniel 12, 7. Oh, no, that's not true. This is telling us that, this this is actually telling us, well, it's part of it in a way. But this is telling us that there's things sealed and there's things that are going to be unsealed. And this is, well, listen, to, and this is, Massive. I mean, again, we could park here for a week. Daniel 12. This is the last chapter of the book of Daniel. By the way, it's interesting. The book, those scriptures were not written with chapter numbers and verse numbers. Whoever did that, God bless that man or woman because it really made life easy for us or easier for us. But this is Daniel 12. Daniel means God is my judge or God will judge me or God is the judge. Dan, yes, the tribe of Dan, Elohim. So it's the judge, God the judge. Twelve is the number of judgment. This is Daniel 12. Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters, is verse 7, Daniel 12, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven. So he had both hands up, like this. Very dramatic, powerful. When he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time, which we'll explain. And when the power of the Holy... People has been completely shattered. When the people who are prepared, who are doing the great exploits are depleted. It's just like the end of a marathon. You want to get to the end of the race with nothing in your tank. That's why you want your tank full. That's why you want air in your tires. That's why you want to be fully equipped for every good work. When it's completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. It's going to be dramatic. Although I heard, I did not understand. And I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Acharit yamim. They're sealed till then. So a lot of the speculations, 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 800 years ago, even in the time of Jesus, which was like hundreds and hundreds of years after the book of Daniel, sealed up. Sealed until the end of time, meaning they will be opened eventually. Then we get to Ezekiel 39, and we start, oh, I get it. Actually, it's at the end of the millennium. It's the end of all time. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Is that spectacular? Mm -hmm. What's the beginning of wisdom? Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Why shall I understand? And we read this so we could be wiser still. And actually, it will increase our fear because we understand He is awesome. That word "awesome" we know what it means. It has a terribleness in it, in the biblical sense. He He's an amazing God, but He's not like awesome hot dog, awesome bike ride. He's there's a terror thing to it. <clears throat> and here's the promise of our Lord: read the unsealing of the book of Daniel. Yeah, this is what we had as a little soundbite earlier. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. This is Matthew 24, 9 through 21. You will be hated by all nations for my namesake because you're going to be saying exactly what he's saying. And they hated him, so they'll hate you. And if you think, if you bend so that people don't hate, you don't look to get hated, but if you bend and compromise so you get accepted, thinking you're going to compromise and win souls, I'm going to walk over lines of truth, I'm going to be more holy or more compassionate than God, that's not a good place. It's a place, it's a fairy tale that does not exist You'll be then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then at that time, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, because they don't know this stuff, because they don't want to read the heavy stuff. And because lawlessness will abound, can you imagine smash and grab? Does it say smash and grab in the air? The love of many will grow cold. Hey, it worked for them. I could use a new watch. And he who endures to the end shall but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then, after that, the end will come. Now, this is obviously written in Greek, not in Hebrew, but basically this is acharit again, if it was Hebrew. Therefore, that being the case, I'm telling you all this, when you see the abomination of desolation, that horrific invasion of abominable things standing in the temple, spoken of by daniel the prophet standing in the holy place whoever reads let him understand that's what we're doing that's why we're getting into this book so we're digging thank you god then let those who are in judea flee to the mountains we're not going to go there right now we've done it in the past we'll touch it when we get there then at that time in verse 21 he says for then there will be great tribulation great trouble such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Jesus is quoting Daniel 12. He's validating a book that the world is accused of not being legit. Daniel is saying, For then there will be time of great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Look at Daniel 12. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands, watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as has never been since there was a nation, even to that time. Hello, McFly. This is like Jesus is validating the man and validating the revelation that that man wrote down as having received from an angel, and people will write books telling you that the book of Daniel is bogus. The Jewish people don't even contain it in the section of their Bible referred to as the prophets. It's called the writings. It's way too accurate as to Savior and everything else. So they they want to illegitimize him, because this is waving the flag on Jesus Messiah. And then he says here at the conclusion of Daniel 12, he says, at that time, this is the conclusion of the age, Jesus pointed to the conclusion of the age prior to the return of a savior. He's quoting that. Michael is standing up. Daniel's told that. And he says, and then in Daniel, he is told, remember, he's told it's sealed up until the end of the time, which was later in Daniel 12. At that time, your people shall be delivered. That's an H-H-Y. The Jewish people have not been delivered yet. Look what's happening. Look at the Holocaust. That's not a deliverance. Look at the Inquisition, that's not a deliverance. Look at what's happening with Jewish religion, that's not a deliverance. They haven't been delivered yet. At that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found in the book, written in the book of life. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. What did Paul tell us? The trumpet's going to sound, the dead in Christ will rise. The ones who are alive when the Lord returns are not going to precede the ones who had died prior. This is in complete alignment with the New Testament. It's why we're going to read the whole book. So I assure you, there's great reward to digging in, sticking in there, and finishing. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we could be here in these days. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work on earth, that you are jealous. For the minds and hearts and lives and wallets and uh and and everything of the saints. Everything, God. You're jealous for our well being. You're jealous for our healings. You're jealous for our anointing. You're jealous for us doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, God. We want to dig in deep and we ask you to bless us in this deep digging, Lord, that you would be with us in it all, that you would continue to pour your Spirit out upon us as we continue to press in, God, to a place of revelation and obedience to what you reveal to us. And again, Lord, if this is uh, the gospel according to me, you delete it. If this is the gospel according to the radioactive Word of God, it would sear us and mark us as people, God, who have been convinced and convicted that what you say is true, God. And we bless you, Lord, as we unmute our mics. God, we want to say that word amen, meaning and saying we're in agreement with you, God, because you're perfect. Lord, and your people said amen. 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 So we say yes, so we say yes. So we say yes, so we say yes. Is anybody out there saying yes to God?